um, uh, there's a, a slight uh, a change of plan from what I was going to speak about. You'll remember uh, last week I was getting right excited about gospel and diversity, um, uh, really trying to sell my books. Um, and, uh, and I was sort of tempting you with the idea that this week, if you come back, I'm going to do more on it and you can buy more of my books. Um, well, um, there's been a slight change of plan. Not, not that any of those things that have gone out of my heart, I still believe them. I still, I'm still praying into that and I'm going to return to that subject. But uh, when we met as elders on Tuesday, we probably felt it was quite important for me to address um, uh, something else just because it's coming up uh, right now. And, and that is simply this. I'm, I'm, I can announce now that um, Beacon Church is on the move again and we're going to be leaving the Ritzy. So... Uh, no more comfy chairs, uh, no more big screen, uh, no more big gaps between you and the person next to you. Um, uh, we're going to be leaving the Ritzy, and, and I, I can announce it now because I've now actually spoken uh, or been in touch with the Ritzy, and, and we've let them know. Um, you know we've been on a journey around this for a number of months, and, and that is partly what I want to talk about. Um, but I want to set it in the context of um, some sort of biblical vision, not, not just because I, I want to find a Bible passage that tells us about moving, but, but I really want you to understand the heart behind why we're doing what we're doing. And, and it would simply be this. Uh, this is one of the lessons that I've learned. Um, it's always best to follow where God leads. Yeah? It, it might sound a really simple lesson, but it is, it is a really important lesson that I've learned. Always follow where he leads, even when he leads you in places that you think that doesn't quite make sense, following him is really important. And so after we had, we chatted on Tuesday morning uh, when we met as elders and God just brought me to this uh, passage in Genesis, Genesis chapter 46. And I'm just going to read the passage and I'm going to speak a little bit about it. And then I'll talk a little bit about our move. Again, I apologise for no um, uh, PowerPoint, but, uh, but you just... Just stay with me. So if you have a Bible, it's Genesis uh, chapter 46, and it's the first seven verses, and then it's the last, then it's verse 26 to 27. So I'm going to read this, pray, and then, and then look at it a little bit. So Genesis 46, it says this. So Israel set out with all that was his, and when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father, Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go to, down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Then Jacob left Beersheba and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives in the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. They also took with them their livestock and the possessions they had acquired in Canaan. And Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt. 
He took with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons and his daughters and granddaughters, all his offspring. Then verse 26. All those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those were his direct descendants, not counting his son's wives, numbered 66 persons. With the two sons who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family which went to Egypt were 70 in all. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you again this morning that you reminded us of your just your father heart towards us, that you are our father. And Lord, that is, it's such a wonderful truth to know. It's a wonderful thing to experience that God is my father. And, and Father, I pray that this morning you will, you will father us through change and transition, that we will look to you, the God who is over all things, and we will look to you for our direction and our leading. In Jesus' name, yes. amen. amen. So as I said earlier, one of the key lessons I've learned just over, over the last sort of three and a bit years that I've been leading Beacon is that it's always best to follow God. Uh, that might sound really simple, but what it does mean is it means that there are certain things that you don't follow that look like they're good ideas because you're always trying to follow him. Um, the second thing is that... that that you want God to build the church. You don't, you don't want to build the church yourself. You want, if you possible, for God to build the church. And, and one of the insights you get, particularly in the Old Testament, was how God led his people, how he operated among his people. And this is an example that, that I was drawn to this week when thinking about change and transition. Because here we find a moment of transition in the life of the people of Israel. You'll remember it was only two generations before that God spoke to Abraham and he said to Abraham, go to a place that I'll show you. He didn't, he didn't give him any specifics, he didn't give him that, he just said, go to a place that I will show you. Abraham got up, he left his father and his, and his, his father's household and he went. Yeah? So Jacob comes in that line of people, somebody who's used to getting up and moving. And from Abraham through to Jacob, they never had a place they never had their own home, the people of Israel, at this point. But we get to this moment in their lives. And if you know anything about the story, and most of us may know the story from the Bible, or we may know the story from Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. I don't know which one is your, sort of, is your, is your reference point. But you'll remember, and to be honest, this particular bit referenced in my mind is from the Technicolor Dreamcoat. You'll remember that there's a moment where... where where Joseph is doing really well in Egypt and, and Jacob and his family are starving in Canaan. They're starving and they don't have very much and, and Joseph's doing great and they're starving and in the end they go and, and there's this toing and froing. So, so there's this point of transition where the people of Israel are starving where they are. There's famine. They're going through hardship but God has made a way for them over here. He's made a way for them. And they are, he's beginning to bring them, that to them. So this moment of transition, God 
meets and speaks to Jacob. And it's really interesting, isn't it? Because a few weeks ago, Phil talked about Jacob and he talked about Jacob and wrestling with that angel at night, wrestling with that man and having his hip touched and having his name changed. And here, Jacob isn't wrestling anymore. God calls him by name and he answers. I'm here. (laughs) Here I am. He answers God. And it's again a a key moment for him. You remember that last moment? It was when he was going to go and meet Esau. The night before he meets Esau, God speaks to him. God meets with him. Here, the night before he takes all of his his family and he moves to Egypt, God meets with him and God speaks to him. Moment of transition. God meets and speaks to Jacob. Secondly, In that moment of transition, what does God do? He reminds him of the promise. The promise is, I will make you into a great nation. That was the promise made to Abraham, it was made to Isaac, and it was then made to Jacob, this continuing promise. Jacob might have thought, what has Egypt got to do with that? I will make you into a great nation, a reminder of the promise. Thirdly, the personal promise that God always makes to his people, I will be with you. Go to Egypt, I will be with you. And then we find Jacob's response to all that God has said. He gathered all he had and he moved. He gathered all that he had and he moved. And I was really... I was really struck by that. If you, again, if you think about it, Egypt at this point is a prosperous place. It's the only place that's prosperous in all the, in all the earth. Everywhere else there's famine. Everyone's going to Egypt for food. It's interesting that when Israel go into Egypt, they are welcomed. Yeah, They are given the best of the land, Goshen. It's the best of the land. They're welcomed in. What happens 430 years later? They're oppressed. Yeah, so they're welcomed in, but then they get oppressed later as God blesses them because God does fulfill his promise, doesn't he? He says to Israel, I will make you into a great nation. That's exactly what he does. 430 years later, when they come out, there are nearly two million of them. And they have actually become like a stench to Egypt. Those who welcomed them in don't welcome them when they go out. They're being pushed out. Now, I don't want to do too many mental gymnastics and I'm not trying to compare us in many ways to Israel and Jacob and Egypt and all that type of stuff. You, so, so please don't mishear me. Yeah? I'm not saying that where we're moving to has suddenly become Egypt. Yeah? What I am talking about, though, is how God works with his people. That, that's the point. Yeah? Because, because this is honestly how I think about it, how God works with his people, that you allow God to lead. You allow God to operate, even when he operates in a way that doesn't seem, um, uh, doesn't appear to fit, doesn't seem right, doesn't make sense. So there are one or two small parallels with us. And so I want to just talk about our journey a little bit and just talk about how we got to where we are and where I think we're going in the future. And I want you to have in your mind that God There was a moment of transition for Israel in which God spoke to them. He reminded them of the promise, what he'd called them to do. He said to Jacob, I will be with you. And Jacob's response was to get up and was to move. And so um, I want us to have that in mind as I just talk through a little bit 
of our story. And I don't need to go all the way back. I just need to go back to when we were meeting in a school in Tulse Hill and God brought a prophetic word to us about a gem in the city. And we didn't know what that meant. We didn't know where that meant. The truth is, I'd never thought about Brixton. We were meeting a mile up the road. It never occurred to me to move the church to Brixton at all. It wasn't in my head. Um, I was thinking, oh, should we move to West Norman? Should we do other things? God brings this word about a gem in the city. And that eventually led us to come in to the Ritzy. There were other t- one or two other confirming words. You'll remember at that time, uh, Toppy Collioso, who leads Jubilee Church Enfield, Steve Nicholson, who is involved in church planting, vineyard churches all over the US. We'd met, I'd met both of them, and both of them had spoken into that move that we made. And so we came to the Ritzy, and uh, again, I don't know what you thought when we came to the Ritzy. I mean, we probably thought, oh, look, we'll come to the Ritzy, it's the centre of Brixton, it'll be great, we'll grow, lots of things will happen for us. But we came to the Ritzy, and I remember one of the first things that we did. I wanted to let people know in this area that we were here. Yeah, I wanted to do that. So we had some, we had some leaflets sort of printed, and I remember going to the life group leaders, and I remember giving them these leaflets. Um, and a couple of weeks later, they gave them all back to me. And it wasn't because they were, you know, they didn't want to do anything, but it was because we weren't yet in a position. We weren't in a place, spiritually or in anything, to be able to take on such a task of delivering out the leaflets. It was a reflection more of where we were at as a church, and maybe I had missed where we were at at that moment. But God moved us to Brixton, and in moving us to Brixton, he gave us a message, he gave us a heart, he gave us a focus, which we found in this area. And so we moved here, and, and I suppose we, we, we did church here. I remember at the end, it was probably the end of the first year that we had here, um, when the riots hit uh, London and they were in Brixton and people came into the Ritzy uh, during that, that night, I came down to Brixton the next day and I realised I didn't know anyone. I knew, like, the odd person, but I, I didn't have any connection to Brixton. I didn't have any friends. I didn't know any other pastors. I didn't know anyone, and that was a real moment for me where I thought, my goodness me, we're, we're doing church here, but literally we're doing pop-up church. We come, we put church in them, and then we disappear again. God, in his grace, has changed all of that in the last year in terms of the amount of other pastors and, uh, I suppose, community organisers and people that we now, that I now particularly connect with throughout the week doing church here. Some, some of it is around food bank, but also the Alpha course, other things that we're involved in. God has given us not only a heart for a place, but he's also brought alongside uh, brothers and sisters who we work with and who we uh, are joined with in this area. So we were here meeting in the Ritzy. You'll know if you, now obviously if you weren't involved in the setup, you might not even realise it, it was a hassle. But it was a hassle. And particularly the lighting, that was always a bit of a hassle for us. I remember in January when we appointed elders, it was almost in the dark. Yeah? It was almost in the dark. I remember people telling me, don't wear brown, Owen, because we can't see you. Yeah? So, so there was an issue around um, the lighting. But, but we were working through all of those things. And, and then we went on a weekend away. And we went on a weekend away in May. And, 
Um, you know, we got other people to come in and, and do the kids' work and to do the speaking and to do the worship. And uh, I must be honest, the weekend away surprised me. It surprised me because of the, the health of the community that there was between us, that we just loved being together. We just loved hanging out. And it was the sort of place that had you come along, you, would have, you probably would have wanted to stay because it was just... It was just fun. It was just nice. Now, I did win the table tennis competition, but that wasn't the reason I thought it was great. Um, and I've never actually acknowledged that before, but I'm just acknowledging that now. Um, I did win it. Um, it was a, Dan played a good game, but um, these things happen. Um, but it, it, was just a, it was just a really, really nice weekend. And we just felt God met with us. God spoke to us. And I came away from it thinking to myself, I, I came away thinking, Man, I was really surprised at like the, the health of the church, the community, just the sense of wanting to be together. Um, and I remember saying to the church when we got back, let's remember that weekend, i.e. let's try and hold on to that because we're not going to get that for a little while. Let's, let's try and hold on to that. But what actually happened when we came back was we realised that something was missing. That when we gathered on a Sunday, we realised that there was something that was missing and that was that ability to build community, it was missing. Because we couldn't, we couldn't recreate it in the Ritzy. Nothing, nothing wrong with the Ritzy itself, but when you've got cinema screens on it, or films on at 12 o'clock or 10 past 12, and you've got to get out, and you've got to get upstairs, and all that sort of thing, building community became a challenge. And after the weekend away, we noticed it. Before the weekend away, I'm not sure that we had noticed it so much. Something was missing around community. Something was also missing around ministry because we were wanting to pray for people, but finding that sending them upstairs to the upstairs bit of the bar didn't always work. Simply making that transition was difficult. And then there there had always been an an ongoing, I suppose, challenge in in relation to our kids' work simply because um, meeting in an upstairs bar, which really, if you come there on a Friday night, it's a bar. It's like a nightclub. It's not, you know, it's not a place for, for children necessarily. And so that was always a bit of a challenge. But we began to notice the lack of community on Sundays when we uh, came back from our weekend away. And as elders, we began to think about that. And particularly towards the summer, we were thinking, and I think in my heart, I was praying, God, what, what does that mean? What are, what are you saying to us? We then had a meeting in July with Dave Holden, who oversees the church, and we just talked about, we're not saying we would move, but we're just wondering whether this is something that we should be thinking about and and we're beginning to pray into. His advice to us was, bring it to the prayer meeting, bring it to the people in the church that that you meet to pray with. And so um, we decided we would do that in the September. In the meantime, over the summer... Um, the Ritzy contacted us and they said, look, over the summer we're doing some refurbishment upstairs, therefore you won't be able to use the upstairs bar. So we took the decision to move us just for those four <laughs> weeks of August to the community centre. You know, so we're, so we're already we're beginning to think, should we be moving? And then we get this opportunity to move for a short period of time just to see what it was like. Now, the community centre, we realised, was not the right place, but it did help with that community thing. It helped a little bit with that. And it helped a little bit with, with people not having to rush off uh, so quickly at the end because the, they, their kids could play and they could talk and things like that. 
So we had a summer in the community centre. Then in September, we, we had a church prayer meeting, and that's where we first announced our thoughts. And I would do that again. I loved the fact that we announced our thoughts about the potential of moving in the place where we pray about what we want to do and where God's taking us. And so we began to pray into it from that moment on. And uh, again, I've got to be honest, I'm really open. If God was going to speak to us about staying very open to that, but realising that we were beginning to look um, at the prospect of moving and the church was beginning to pray about that. I then said to the elders, it would be good for us just to have a bit of a review of, of where are we at as a church. Well, let, let's look at all the different areas of church life. Let's not go into this blindly. Transitions can take it out of you. And if you're not prepared for them, then actually they can, they can cause problems if you go through transitions. So we had a, a bit of a review and we realised that God had been really gracious to us. He'd been really gracious to us that we had appointed elders in January and and that has helped to strengthen the leadership of the church. It really has. You, you might not realise that. I know it has. And also, the other thing about our eldership is, is the unity that there is. And I, I love that fact. I love the fact that we are united at heart in what we do. We're not always united in every thought, in every detail, but we're definitely united in our hearts. And, and I hear of lots of churches that, that don't make progress because there is no unity at leadership level. Then we looked at our money, and I'm not going to go into detail, but, but our money was far more healthy than maybe we thought. It wasn't, it wasn't that we were sort of overflowing with wealth, but, but actually for a church of our size and particularly maybe our numbers, the money was healthy, that, that God was gracious to us there. And, and, and a lot of that, I must be honest, I put that down to Mr Arnold here. Yeah, because when I left Kings, my, one of my biggest worries was, what will I do about money? Because I'm not very good with it. Yeah? And when I left Kings, God got Ben to leave Kings as well. And so, uh, and I think Kings missed a trick there, actually. So the money was healthy. And then we did a little bit around membership, and we're, and we're beginning to work through that. And there's probably 25, 30 people who are saying, yeah, we're, we're members of this church. Now, let me be honest. Membership doesn't, it's not the biggest hurdle in the world here. Yeah? It's a heart thing, but it's not the biggest hurdle in the world. You, you don't have to know the Apostles' Creed to be a member of Beacon. Do you know what I mean? You, you, you need to love Jesus. And you need to feel a sense of, yeah, th- this is my church. And that, that's really it. You don't need, there's not a big thing about membership. But, but we've started that process and we've got, again, people who are saying, yeah, we feel this. We looked at our ministry areas, particularly on Sundays, and we realised that maybe in some of those there had been, we hadn't given enough focus, if we're honest. So we were looking at our kids' work, our prayer ministry on Sundays and things like that. Maybe, maybe because of everything else we hadn't given those things enough focus. And we looked at our meeting place and we realised the one thing we really wanted to build was community and just maybe the Ritzy wasn't helping us do that right now, and that we needed to find a place that would. So we did this internal review, and I think the conclusion we came to was, if God has called us to move, I think we're ready to move. I think we're able to do it. We didn't feel that there was anything intrinsically stopping us. Now, God has spoken to us, but it's a bit like 
God spoke to, to Abraham, he spoke to Isaac, he spoke to Jacob. Um, and, and what he really said to them was, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Yeah? What he didn't say to them is he didn't tell Abraham it would involve Egypt. Yeah? He didn't tell Isaac it would involve that. He told Jacob that because that's where Jacob was going. So God has spoken to us. God called us to Brixton clearly. That, that prophetic word that Julian Adams had, it was, it was a clear sign and this was a clear answer to that. And the truth is we probably would never have moved to Brixton had it not been for that prophetic word that God spoke to us. So we are very much open to God speaking and God has spoken to us. And I think the overriding thing I have about what God has said is you're to be in Brixton. So wherever you move, you're going to be in Brixton. That's where I've called you to be. So then, uh, having gone through, we're praying, we're doing a review, and then we begin uh, a bit of a search. We just begin to look, look around. Now, um, I've got friends now who are pastors, and one of the things I'd heard is every church building, particularly every Anglican church building in Brixton, has at least two churches meeting in it. There's a place called the Bricks, uh, St. Matthew's Church, which is literally over there in the middle, uh, big church there, is not actually owned by St. Matthew's, it's owned by an organisation called the Bricks. And they have a room there, and there are four churches that meet there. Nine o'clock, one o'clock, four o'clock, six o'clock. Yeah. And you go all over Brixton, every nook and cranny <laughs> is taken up by a community. Yeah. And so I was beginning to, this, uh, to look around, really keen that wherever we moved to, it would be central. Um, we didn't want to go outside of Brixton. Um, uh, our, our, our food bank is here central. This is where we spend most of our time. And so, um, you know, I'm part of a badminton club, which meets at the Brixton Recreation, been doing that for a, a year or so. And so wanting to remain uh, central to Brixton. So I've been, I'd, I'd been recommended a primary school and I've been recommended a, a community centre just over by the police station. Um, we happened to have, um, on one particular Sunday, we were having church lunch and we happened to be able to have it at the community centre that we were thinking about or I, I had been uh, recommended. Um, and I think we went there, we were having lunch and we could hear some really loud noise upstairs and there was another church there and they were much louder than we are. <laughs> And so it, we realised, hey, this isn't going to work for us to meet in a place where we're going to have to shout just to be heard um, because of the people above. And then I was, at a, um, I was at a worship band practice. And uh, at our worship band practice, we'd, we'd, we worship together. That's one of the things that we do, one of the things that I encourage the worship team to do. And, and Shah was with us, Charlene was with us. And uh, I had like a two-minute conversation with her at the end. And, and she said to me, do we, like, do we really want to go back to like a school, a primary school down a side road somewhere where nobody would know where we are? Do we really want to do that? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, no, I don't really want to do that. And I can't remember how it went in the conversation, but the next day I then emailed uh, Lambeth College. And I don't know if you know Lambeth College. It's about 300 yards up the road um, on Brixton Hill. I emailed Lambeth College in the morning. I had a phone call from them by the afternoon. And uh, by the, the next day, I was going to have a visit. And I just found, um, I suppose a bit like, this is why I find it interesting, a bit like 
when Jacob went into Egypt, they were very, very welcoming. Yeah, we're going to give you the best of the land. I found when I contacted the college them to be very, very welcoming, very sort of open. And basically, we've done various negotiations with them, and we have agreed with them, and I've informed the Ritzy that we're going to move to Lambeth College from the 4th of November. We'll make, we'll relocate. And that Lambeth College appears to be what we need right now. Some of the things that it offers us that the Ritzy doesn't offer us. Now, it doesn't offer us comfy chairs. I'll, I'll tell you that now. It doesn't offer us a big screen like that. It doesn't offer us lovely carpet. Yeah? I mean, it might be a bit warmer, but it doesn't offer us those things. What it does offer us that maybe we don't have right now is it offers us parking. Now, that might seem a silly thing, but actually there are loads, there's parking there. It offers us outside space and inside space uh, for kids. It offers us dedicated kids' rooms. It offers us storage. So they're willing to give us a cupboard and they say, yeah, you can have this cupboard and use it for storage. It, it offers us the, 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 uh, the possibility of publicising ourselves, that we, we can do a poster and we can put it up in the college to say, oh, we now meet here. It offers us a dedicated space. I, for whatever reason, no one else meets in the college. We'd be the only uh, group that meet there uh, on a Sunday. It offers us the possibility of being used in the evenings and maybe even on Saturdays. It's, um, it's a further education college that, that has around 13,000 students on three sites, in Brixton, in <coughs> Clapham, where they've got a brand new site, and in Vauxhall. And so it, it just offers us a lot more, and it comes a bit cheaper. So as we did those initial negotiations and we're praying, we just felt, hey, there's no, there's, there's no, there's no blockage here. There's no, there's no barrier here. There's nothing here that, that's going to make it awkward for us. Potentially, it helps us. What we've decided is that, and this is partly through conversations, talking to people, is that we will change the time slightly that we meet. At the moment, we meet at 10 o'clock. Now, the Ritzy did come back to me and say, well, if you want to meet earlier then you can, you can do everything you want in the screen. And I was thinking, do you know what? Meeting earlier, I'll be on my own. <laughs> so there's no point in doing that. Um, but we are able to meet for, um, have the space for a, lot, for a bit longer at the college. And so we're going to probably, we're going to move our time to 10.30. Now, at one point, we were going to move it to 11. And then I realised, why is 10.30 seen as the most optimum time for church? Because... 11 o'clock is what you want if you're single or you're married and you don't have children. Yeah? So when I mentioned that to Stella, she was, yay! <laughs> 10 o'clock is what you want when you have young children who are up since 6 o'clock. Yeah? So that's my, I've experienced both of those things. Yeah? The 10 o'clock one or the 11 o'clock one. 10.30 is where most people feel, oh, okay, it's a sort of a compromise. It's sort of in the middle. And so our plan would be to move our meeting to 10.30 on Sundays. Um, we will have the building from 9 until 2, so we've got a bit more time. Uh, we plan to, um, those of you who really want to help and set up and be part of all that, we're going to do breakfast, because where we're meeting is actually like a, 
uh, it's, they call it the Brixton Caf. It's a canteen, really, but they call it the Brixton Caf. Um, so we, we, we plan to do breakfast there in the mornings for people who are, who are serving. We plan to have tea and coffee available before and after the meeting. Why are we doing those things? Um, that is part of trying to build community, which is, which is the main reason we're, re we're moving. It's the main reason we're going. So our immediate priorities is to build community. It's to, it's to do ministry. It's to be able to, to pray for people. It's to be able to give time for that on a Sunday morning. It's to strengthen our kids' work. And so we will have available uh, at least three rooms uh, uh, upstairs at, uh, at the college that will be dedicated for kids or for praying uh, for people on a Sunday. So it's a big change, but I think for where we are right now, Beacon, with every word that God has spoken to us, it's, it's the right move. It's the right move for the church. I was, uh, I was being prayed for the other week at a, um, I can't remember whether I've mentioned this, at a London leaders uh, meeting or a, a local leaders meeting. And uh, I was being prayed for by this guy and, and he talked about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and he talked about the fact that, that you know, Jesus shed his blood and not one drop of blood was wasted. It, it took every drop of blood in order to win salvation for us at the cross. And he went on to say that nothing that you've done in Beacon is wasted. And you know as well as I do, we've done lots of things. We've started things and we've had to stop things and all that type of stuff. But he basically said nothing is wasted. Nothing, nothing is just going to be, oh, well, we did that and it didn't work. Uh, let's try something else. Actually, everything that we've done will serve a purpose um, in the purposes of God here. Our aim here is to plant and, and, and establish a church. And we want it to be a church in which Jesus is glorified. We want it to be a church which, um, which presents the message of grace because so many people do not understand uh, that God is a father who loves you and, and he's reaching out to you. Many, many people in an area like this see God as distant and dangerous, really. But actually, he's not distant and dangerous. That is not how the Bible presents him. We want it to be a church that's full of truth because so much of what we hear around here is, it's not truth. It's religious, it's spiritual. But we want to be a church that, that really focuses and promotes truth. Even last week, I was talking about this idea of, of peace coming into relationships that would otherwise be hostile and tense. We want to be a church of peace. Yeah, peace is a gift of God. That we can have peace with him and we can have peace with one another. So, in order to build that type of church, we're going to move. Because there's nothing sacred about the Ritzy. It's been a great place to do church. And I know for some of you, you've loved it. You love saying to your friends, you know, where's your church? Oh, we meet in the Ritzy. Whoa, really? Yeah? But it's not sacred. Yeah? The Ritzy's a building. And, and I'm taking the view that God, in his sovereign purposes, had us here and he's moving us there. And that's how he does it. And we must follow. Yeah? It's always best to follow where he leads. Yeah, both personally and certainly as a church. So we will have those three 
uh, priorities when we move, to build community, to do ministry, to strengthen our kids' work. We will have three real teams on a Sunday. It will be our worship team, and, and, which includes our audio and visual. It will be our welcome team, which includes setting up and clearing up. And there will be a little bit more of that than there has been. It will be our kids' work, which includes our creche and hopefully up to youth age. And, and our, our big ask is that you would move with us and that you would serve alongside us in order that we can establish a church here. Yeah, that, that's still the goal. There, there might be other specifics about it, but the, the, the overarching goal is let's establish a church in Brixton that glorifies God. That is a community that others from the wider community can join. Even if you don't take up uh, the membership, you, you can still be part of it and you can still serve. You don't feel that that's a big barrier. It's not as big a barrier as, as uh, membership might suggest. Now, what have we learned since we've been at the Ritzy? Because, because we've learned absolutely loads since we've been here. We've established loads. We've established leadership, which is settled now. We've, we've got an area that we, that we love. But actually, God hasn't just called us to Brixton, although right now I think that is our focus. But I think it's broader than that. I've always thought it was broader than that. That Beacon is a, it's a regional church. And you know that simply because we don't even all come from Brixton. But sovereignly, we are in Brixton. But we don't all come from uh, this particular area. And I realise the difference between a regional church, no matter our numbers, and a local church. When we visited a church in, um, at Christmas a couple of years ago, my family and I, we, we went to this church, and almost everyone in the church lived within like 10 minutes walking of the building. And I thought, my goodness, that, that's never been our situation. It's not even like we all did and then we decided, oh no, we don't want to live near each other, we'll spread out. We, we all came from all over the place in order to start this church. And how do we make sense of that? Well, one of the ways we make sense of it is to say, God has a, a, has a plan for us which is bigger than one local area, even though right now we are in one local area and focused on it. So what have we learned? There's just a few things that I feel, certainly I've learned. This prophetic lesson, always follow where he leads. The sovereign lesson, never forget it's God who builds the church. Yeah, You must never forget that. I must never forget that. The priority lesson, there are lots of things that are important. Sundays, community, worship, kids, work, building, money, location. But only one thing is ultimate and that's he's glorified. That's the ultimate thing. Ultimately, it's about him. It isn't about you. It isn't about me. It's about him. And a healthy church will do all of those things, but it won't forget the ultimate thing. It won't forget that he is glorified. So it is quite an exciting time because not only are we in this process of moving, that there, in terms of our, our relationships within New Frontiers, that's beginning to change. We've got... Uh, Phil Moore, who has who spoken here, uh, uh, I think a few months ago, he now has launched uh, something that he's called Southwest London 2.5. And what it is, is he's, he's trying to gather all the New Frontiers churches in Southwest London with a view to planting other uh, churches in Southwest London. And whilst, you know, every aspect of that, we might go, oh, okay, that, that's great. And he really wanted us to be involved because. 
because we're Brixton and everyone, there's an element where no one wants to live in Brixton or be part of it, but they love the idea that, hey, there's a new frontier church in Brixton. Yeah, there's a little bit of that. Um, but, he, but he has really just wanting to get us caught up. He's been really helpful to us as an eldership team meeting, meeting with him. So we're a local church. We're, our focus right now is on Brixton. I honestly believe it will be bigger than that. We're, we're, we're part of New Frontiers. That's where we have, the, you know, that's what I've grown up in. Yeah? But it doesn't mean that I, I'm, I'm completely blinking to other things because I'm not. My, my closest working Christian ally here is the, is the Anglican vicar at St Paul's who challenges me at times. He says, no, 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 and you've got to think about that. You know, and he's talking about things that would be much more in my sort of way of thinking than his. But, but, so he would be my closest um, uh, working relationship that I have. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, I love that fact. I, I love the fact that I'm linked. I nearly even had to go to a PCC meeting the other day. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> what is that? I'm not becoming an Anglican. Not that that's wrong, but it's not for me. And then, and then nationally, we, we're still, the New Frontiers Network is just, it's as it's sort of, I suppose, divided up into different spheres of ministry and, and the one that we're part of is led by Dave Holden, which is uh, in London, but in other parts of the country. And we, we were gathering for um, prayer and fasting for two days last week. It was just a wonderful time together. And I really appreciate those, those times. And then our own involvement in New Day. Again, we, you know, Phil and I sit on the New Day management team and having huge influence into that event, 5,000 young people gathering together. And uh, yeah, God's called us to play our part in those types of things. And then I was thinking about this. What's Beacon's unique contribution to the body of Christ in the modern world? What's, what, what is it that we're called to do that not every other church might be called to do. Now, we're not trying to be unique. You might have worked this out. I'm not deliberately trying to be radical. Yeah? I'm not really like that as, as a person. I'm more, in, I'm more interested in being obedient and being faithful. I know that might sound boring, but that is I'm more interested in being obedient to God and being faithful to what he says than trying to be different. But there are two or three things that I think God will do through us and is doing in us as a local church. First of all, I think that, that just our approach into the community, our, our desire is to have a permanent presence in our community that serves the community. So I don't just mean having an office where I prepare, but a place where we can minister to people daily. I'd love us to have that. We've talked about that. Ben and I have dreamed a little bit about what would it be like to have a place where, where we could function as a church regularly, as part of the community. Personally, I have a thing about marriage. Marriage is the gospel. And marriage comes under, under attack right now in many, many different ways. Nobody notices a little church like Beacon, but we are holding out for marriage. Marriage is the gospel. Let's get the design of it right. Let's get, let's get the plan of it right. So that we would see healthy marriages and healthy, uh, which reflect the gospel and then produce healthy families and healthy churches and then probably there is something in us for diversity and I, and I know I know some of you oh yeah yeah I love it you you love that idea but there's something about diversity is the gospel and the church doesn't realize that yet it hasn't seen it yet I remember when we first 
moved to Brixton, Ben Arnold said to me, if ever there was a place, he didn't use all these words, but this is what he said, if ever there was a place that you could fulfil that vision of diversity, it's in Brixton. And uh, I mean, I didn't think, oh yeah, I want to fulfil my vision, because it isn't my vision, I don't believe that. But I think that those things will one day be unique to us. There'll be things that we do as a local church in this area. And really the, the invitation is, will you join? Will you be part of it? Will you come with us? Will you play your part in what God has for us to do? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that, that, that church planting is, is your idea. It's not our idea. That building healthy, healthy churches is your idea. It's not our idea. That, that worship is your idea. That gathering people from across nations and backgrounds and bringing them together, united and at peace with one another is your idea. All these things are your idea. And we are privileged to be caught up in your plans and your purposes. And so I pray for this church. God, I, I pray for Beacon. I pray your hand upon it. Lord, I pray you would continue to lead, to guide and to build it in a way that glorifies your name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to go up for tea and coffee. If anyone's got any questions or comments, then you can come and um, talk to me. I think we've probably run out of time to do it here, but if you want to do that upstairs, I'm really happy to take questions, to take comments, um, uh, if you have any. So um, more information.